The ministry of Judas is not there to destroy us, but it is actually to draw out the poison and imperfections which can cripple our ministry. Welcome to the Real Talk 238 podcast with your host, Denise Lee, an Associate Licensed Counselor and Nationally Board Certified Counselor in the state of Alabama under the supervision of Cotina Stroud. The Real Talk 238 podcast has real conversations concerning taboo topics, which people may find themselves struggling with that may not be discussed, especially in relation to the church. The purpose of the Real Talk 238 podcast is to bring awareness, hope, and encouragement. Having these conversations will shed light on the truth and break the lie of being the only one, being stuck, isolated, and alone because there is someone else who has gone through something similar. Topics discussed on the Real Talk 238 podcast are not a substitute nor does it replace professional medical, psychiatric, psychological, or mental health advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and is intended strictly for informational and educational purposes only. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast on the Real Talk 238. My name is Denise Lee, and I am your host. This episode is about the ministry of Judas, which sounds like a very strange name for a title of a message. I was in, recently I was in South Carolina ministering to a church on May 22nd and 23rd. On May 22nd, which was a Saturday, I was actually teaching on trauma-informed care, which is very vital concerning the church and how to work with that. The next day, I was asked to minister. God had laid this message on my heart, and I just thought how strange this message is. But it was a very powerful message, and I'm not saying that just because I'm the one that gave it, because anybody could have gave this. And I promise there are a lot more people out there that are much more eloquent in their speech that are able to present this in such a way that would probably be more impactful than I could have ever done. I just spoke on this the way God gave it to me. And like I said, it was powerful. When God first started dealing with me about this particular topic of the ministry of Judas, it was just a, you know, it was one of those things that make you scratch your head. Like, how can Judas have a ministry? But then I get, I I got to pondering, you know, I got to pondering things about things that we go through, particularly those of us who are involved in ministry. And ministry, let me just say this, that is not always about pulpit ministry. A lot of people think that, but it's really about so many other avenues. I mean, if you're cleaning toilets, that's a ministry. If you are a greeter at your church, that is a ministry. If you are serving meals at a special function that your church has, that's a ministry. You know, if you're teaching Bible studies or if you're 
knocking on doors or uh, whatever the case may be. It, you know, it's a ministry. Ministry does not mean, as I said, like just the pulpit. That's, you know, probably about 10% of it. You know, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that because I promise you, the pastor of the church, he didn't just get saved one day and then the very next day he became the pastor of the church. No, it was a process. And anytime you are developing in ministry, it's a process. Anyways, this is, I think it, you will be very surprised about exactly what is the ministry of Judas. This may go against the grain for some people, and that's okay. You know, because maybe this just isn't for you. But it's definitely for somebody out there who needs to hear this. Anyways, I hope you will enjoy this episode of the podcast. And have a great and wonderful day. Until next time. Psalm 41 verse 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend... Everybody say friend. In whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And that don't sound like such a good friend. And then over in Psalm 55, starting in verse 12, it says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, mine guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. This was my friend. And then down in verse 21, it says, the words of his mouth, talking about my friend, were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. And the title of this is called The Ministry of Judas, um, which sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, again, God laid this on my heart. And so the ministry of Judas is probably one of the most impactful ministries that those within the church will experience. But especially anyone who is involved in any ministry, they will come in contact with the ministry of Judas. And the higher the position in ministry, the higher the probability of being exposed to the ministry of Judas. Being exposed in the ministry of Judas is different than being involved in the ministry of Judas. Being exposed exposed means it wasn't by choice it wasn't something you signed up for it was something that was done to you or it happened to you and being involved in the ministry of Judas means playing a part or playing a role in it of what someone else would have to experience as a result of the ministry of Judas and so you may question how could there even be a ministry of Judas Well, let's look at what happened to give Judas such a strategic ministry. And so it was right before, right before um, the Last Supper. Jesus had entered the house of Simon the leper in Bethany. 
And this is where Jesus was anointed right before his death by Mary. And the son of Simon was there, and that was Judas Iscariot. And Judas asked the question, why, was this, why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Judas, he didn't care about the poor. You know, the Bible even calls him a thief. And because Judas, he was more concerned about the treasury bag. He, that was his role in ministry and whatever was put in it. And Jesus rebuked him and told him, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. And so after he was rebuked, Judas began looking for opportunists or those who wanted to condemn, persecute, and kill Jesus. He separated himself from being under the leadership of Jesus. And he went to the chief priest asking them, what will you give me if I deliver you into him into your hands? And they told him 30 pieces of silver, and he said, deal. So he began looking for those opportunities to betray Jesus. And so then you get to the Last Supper, and all his disciples are there, including Jesus. And Jesus washed their feet, even Judas. And Jesus, he knew exactly who would betray him, and he told all of them, you're not all... You're all not clean, but they didn't get it. It kind of went over their head. And Jesus, he got troubled in his spirit, and he told them again, he says, Hey, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples began, they started looking at one another, and they're asking the question, and they're doubting. What, what is he talking about? Is it me? Is it me? Is it you? And so Simon Peter, this is what he does. He's, he, he's super smart. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's why Jesus gave him the keys. Who knows? But Simon Peter, he he's, goes up to John the Beloved because where, guess where John the Beloved is? He's leaning on Jesus. He's the closest to him. And he says, hey, 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 ask, ask Jesus who he's talking about. And so... So John, he did, and Jesus told him, it's the one that I will give bread to. The Bible says sop. I had to look up what that was, but it's bread, or if you're in the south, it's a biscuit. Amen. (laughs) After it's been dipped, and so he did, and then he handed it to Jesus, or Judas, And at this point, it was at this very point that Judas was overtaken by Satan. And Jesus told Judas, he says, whatever you got to do, go do it quickly. And Judas left. And the disciples, the rest of them, they still didn't get it because guess who holds the the bag? And so they thought he was going to buy supplies. But... um, so Judas left, and he went to the chief priest, and he told them, I'm, I, I, gotta, I have a sign for you, and it's the kiss of betrayal. And so the rest of the disciples, like I said, they missed it. And so then later that night, Jesus takes his di- disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Every one of his disciples knew 
the exact place that Jesus liked to go because I'm sure there is a favorite place, a favorite place to hide away in and a favorite place in that garden where he liked to teach. And even Judas knew that. And so there they are in the garden. And this is where the place where Jesus is crying out and he's asking God, let this cup pass for me, but that was not the plan. And so later that night, as they're in the garden, here comes Judas, and he's with the crowd. And he said, hell master, and then he kissed him, and in another place he called him rabbi. And then Jesus, he asked him, he said, friend, where have you come? He called him friend. And then after that, he was betrayed, and he was taken by the multitude. And so Merriam-Webster's Dictionary Betrayal says the act of betraying someone or something or it's the fact of being betrayed, it's a violation of a person's trust or confidence or of a moral standard. It's revelation of something hidden or secret. And there are so many examples of betrayal in the Bible. There's examples of exposing someone or delivering someone to an enemy through treachery or disloyalty. There's examples of disappointing a person's trust, hopes, or expectations. There's revealing information and violation of confidence. In other words, you tell somebody something, please don't go share this. And what do they turn around and do? They go share it. And then there's examples of failure to keep or honor a promise, principle, or cherished memory. And there's in examples of unconsciously revealing or displaying some quality or characteristic, typically one that's preferably concealed. But overall, the bottom line is betrayal is a violation of trust. And so through all, throughout all the Bible, there were people who had either been betrayed or they were the betrayers. And they may even have been both. So Cain, he murdered his brother Abel. Jacob, he betrayed his father, Isaac, so he could get the blessing. But then later he was deceived by Laban, his uncle, when he was promised Rachel and instead was given Leah. And then Laban changed his, Jacob's wages ten times. And then he was deceived by his sons when they covered up selling Joseph, his favorite, into slavery. There's Jacob's daughter, Dinah. She was violated by some men in, in a country, and I'm leaving at that because I know we've got different ages in here. Just use your imagination. Um, and when her brothers found out Jacob's son, they sought revenge, and they deceived the prince of that country and his father, and when they were all in physical pain, and this is found in Genesis 34, two for, verses 2 through 26, if you want to know what I'm talking about. When the men of the city were all in physical pain, the brothers went in and killed them all. And I thought, what a way to die. And then you have Tamar, who is the daughter-in-law of Judah. She was betrayed by Judah because her husband passed away, and he did not fulfill his promise, which was, she was to be given to the next of kin, which was Judah's youngest son. 
And at that time, the custom was if a man died without children, then his wife would marry the oldest brother so the name of her dead husband could be continued. Well, Tamar ended up betraying Judah, and she turned around and deceived him by playing the role of the harlot, and he ended up fathering her children. Then there's Joseph. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was betrayed by Potiphar's wife when he would not respond to her, her advances and thrown into prison. He was betrayed by the butler after he was released because the butler didn't hold up his end and he forgot all about Joseph until Pharaoh started having those strange, disturbing dreams. Then we have Rahab the harlot. She betrayed the men of her country to protect the spies of Israel because she had heard what the God of Israel was doing to the countries all around. There's J.L., she betrayed Sesra, the captain of the host, for Canaan. Because at that time, Canaan was an enemy of Israel. So Jael used her kindness to get Sesra's trust and then brought him into her tent, caused him to go to sleep, and then rammed a nail through his head. That's, that's awesome, I think. Um, I don't know if my mind just went, woo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all know I have ADD, so I don't know. Um, there's Abimelech. He's, his father was Gideon, and his mother was a concubine, and he decided to, to betray his family, so he killed all 70 of his brothers. Samson was betrayed by Delilah on several different occasions, and she kept pressing him. And it, the Bible even says that he, it was so much daily that he was grieved to death. In other words, she wore on his last nerve. All right? And so, so she betrayed him when he finally revealed his secret, why his strength is there. Then we have David. He, betrayed, he was betrayed by King Saul. All right? And then David ended up betraying Uriah one of his top military officials, and had him killed in battle because while Uriah was out in battle, David ended up finding out that Bathsheba was pregnant with his child. And then later, he was betrayed by Absalom, his own son, and his closest advisor, Ahithophel. Then there's Tamar, David's daughter, she was assaulted by Ammon, her half-brother, and David didn't do nothing about it when he found out about it. We have Mephibosheth. He, his servant deceived him from going to be with King David. Jezebel, we all know about her. She um, betrayed a lot of people, but namely Naboth, when he wouldn't willingly give his inheritance to Ahab. So she came up with a plan to accuse him and have him murdered. And then we had the prophets of God, she betrayed those. And then not too far from the, the apple that fell from the tree is Athaliah, her daughter. Well, she had the entire royal family of Judah, all but one, which was Joash, and he got hit away. And so she had proclaimed herself queen. Then we have Haman, he conspired a plan to kill Mordecai and the Jews. We have Job, he betrayed his wife. Or he felt betrayed by his wife and friends. And his wife, when she, and she was in pain and suffering because she had lost everything and she lost her children. 
And all she said, you know what, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Because this just ain't, I, didn't, I did not sign up for this. And his friends, his friends accused Job of sinning. He didn't do anything. Jeremiah was just preaching the word that God gave him. It was that fire shut up in his bones. And the priests and the prophets and the people, they didn't like it, and they planned to have him killed, and instead he got stuck in a pit. Then there's King Herod. He tried to deceive the wise men. And when the wise men didn't fall for it, well, later he, Herod decided to have the children to and under killed. And then we have Herodias. She put her daughter up to making a request of her uncle, a different Herod, who was also now her stepfather. And the request was to have John the Baptist's head because John the Baptist rebuked the relationship of Herod and Herodias. Then we have Jesus, of course. He was betrayed by Judas. There was Stephen. He was stoned to death. There was Paul. Before his conversion, he had Christians murdered. And then after his conversion, he was abandoned by Demas. And Demas was involved in ministry with Paul. He was his fellow minister. We just went from Genesis to the book of Acts. Hallelujah. (laughs) So in all these different cases, there was always someone who was wounded in the process, whether by choice, by intention, or by mistake. Being involved in ministry, and I don't care what level it is at, If you're cleaning the bathroom, that is a ministry. Ministry is not, this is probably 10% of it, okay? So if you're working in the kitchen, that's ministry. If you're going out knocking on doors or picking up trash, that is ministry. So ministry, it it means forming and developing those relationships, Unless a person has been through some challenges, being in ministry can be a challenge. Ministry can actually be a shock, particularly about human behavior and dysfunction. And then if you have not been raised up in ministry, learning how to walk in ministry will be a challenge, especially the path of ministry that is not familiar. Ministry means taking risk in relationships. You know, is this person safe or is this situation safe? Because the risk may mean being sideswiped when you least expected it by your friend. Or the risk may mean the reward of watching someone's life be transformed by the power of God. Ministry was never meant to be isolated and alone. When we separate ourselves because of hurt, we risk being hurt more. We risk, we risk hurting others. We don't allow ourselves to be accountable to anyone. And let me just say that every pastor needs a pastor. My pastor, he has a pastor. And so every minister needs to be accountable to someone. Having someone to be accountable to can help those in ministry from falling or making grave mistakes. And let me just tell you, being under the authority of your pastor is the best thing. Because when you get in alignment with your pastor, and I'm sitting here, I can actually see my pastor do this because he does this thing, and it's just like, you know, you're getting in alignment with God, and you're getting in alignment with where you need to be. And so when your pastor says, hey, you know what, I really don't think you need to do this, 
don't, don't get upset. There's probably a reason. He's not out to get you. He's not out to hurt you. And if you do that later on, there's going to be opportunity that comes up, and he's going to give you his full blessing. And you know what? God will just, he'll open those doors when the time is right. That was not in my notes, so I don't know. Uh, so having a pa- someone being accountable, it's, it allows another person to shed light on what we may not see that we are doing. It means taking correction that may not always feel good, but it's beneficial. Not, it's not the type of correction where your name is ran through the mud or your character is annihilated. So what is the ministry of Judas? Well, first of all, the ministry of Judas can never move forward unless God gives approval. And you may wonder, what? why would God approve such things? Well, he does. Look at Job, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And sometimes that approval is going to look and sound like this. Hey, have you considered my servant? You know, think about God. He's having this conversation with the devil. They're, ex- they're excellent in their service. They handle themselves well. They avoid sinful things. They have integrity, and they have an excellent character. And no matter what, they're not going to curse me, and they're not going to curse the church. And the ministry of Judas is there to transform your life into what God has planned for you. Because God sees the bigger picture. He sees what lies around the bend in the road, even when we can't see it. He knows the potential of your ministry and how far your potential can reach even when you can't see it. And although it may look like, although it may look like it, the ministry of Judas is not there to destroy us, but it is actually to draw out the poison and imperfections which can cripple our ministry. From the surface, the ministry of Judas will not look like ministry at all. It will look and will feel painful and it'll feel confusing. It will look like betrayal in every sense of the word. And the truth is the ministry of Judas comes in the form of betrayal and persecution and deception and gossip and slander, selling someone out only to get ahead, making false accusations, causing doubt, bringing up concerns and questioning the pastor or a fellow minister's authority, integrity, and competency. Just go ask Korah when he questioned Moses' authority. The ministry of Judas will come from two directions. And the first, the second's going to be more painful than, than the first. The first direction, it comes from a member of the church. It's your fellow Christian. It's my brother or my sister. And then the second one, it will come from someone in ministry. And this can be from a pastor. It can be a minister who serves under a pastor. It can be a minister who serves alongside another minister. Not everyone will be involved or step into the role of the ministry of Jesus, Judas. But it's very possible many will. And usually it's by someone we consider a friend or close acquaintance. This friend may not even know they are causing harm. They may not even realize it. Those who are usually involved in the role of the ministry of Judas is by someone that has their own history of hurt and pain. 
they haven't healed from their own past. And what ends up happening is that bitterness has taken root in their own life. They may lack teaching or what they've been taught hasn't quite sunk in. Or maybe they're too hurt to even be teachable. They are unable to take correction. Maybe they don't know how to allow correction to come in their life. They don't see their own faults. Instead, they see the speck in the other person's eye, yet they miss the log sticking out of their own eye. They will pass judgment without knowing the details. And a lot of times, they will have some mental health issue going on. No, they're not crazy. They're hurt. That that it hasn't been addressed appropriately. And the way you recognize the behavior of the ministry of Judas, Judas, is when this person needs you, they're all over you. They're right there. They're all about you. But the moment you need something, a shoulder, help, a meal, a confidant, that person's nowhere to be found. Your gut is going to tell you that you should not, under any circumstances, trust this person, but you can't pinpoint exactly why. They will only make commencement comments about you that are actually passive-aggressive or underhanded jabs, and it's going to leave you feeling worse about yourself than ever. They won't be happy for you when things are going well, but seems almost gleeful when things are going badly, whenever, like whenever something good happens, like a raise, a new career, you get a new vehicle, maybe you got a new house. This person will downplay it or make it sound like a fluke. You realize all your conversations with this person revolve solely around them, their problems, their life, anything but what's going on with you. And you discover that this person is talking trash about you behind your back. They're belittling you and they're tearing you apart. Their social media updates will usually involve veiled insults about you and even another friend. And anytime you post something, they'll always find a way to make fun of you and to be cruel. You start to notice that whenever you talk to this person, you're walking on eggshells, never able to say how you truly feel because you don't want to upset them. And rather than giving them the benefit of the doubt, rather than them giving the benefit of the doubt and assuming the best about your intentions, this person will take many of the things you say or do personally, even when they're unrelated to how you feel about that person. And it's going to cause a horrible reaction directed at you. They'll talk down to you like you are incompetent, you are unknowledgeable, or you're like a little child. And they will never bother to return your calls, emails, or texts unless they need something from you. They will completely ignore your needs. And I'm talking about important needs, say like you have a food allergy or you're exhausted because it's all about them all the time. They will spend an awful lot of time criticizing you, how your hair is fixed, the faults in your ministry, the downfalls in your family. They never seem to take your side. They're insensitive. If you're struggling with your relationship with spouse or kids, They'll give you tons of advice, all of it biting and about how wrong you are for your choices. And any news shared with them makes you doubt yourself. If you've lost five pounds, they're quick to point out you better lose more before your spouse looks for skinnier pastures. And when someone has experienced the ministry of Judas, they have two options. The first, they can become bitter over it. 
Their emotions will only increase like anger, hate, rage, depression, and anxiety. And let me just say this about depression and anxiety. When one of those goes up, the other one follows. They're kind of married. Um, and they do have children. It's called anger. That is their offspring. And so they end up being part of the ministry of Judas. And the second choice we have is we can just choose to get better despite what happened. Choosing to get better means it's learning to forgive. It does not mean what happened is excused or that it was okay. Because guess what? God keeps a record. It's allowing God to refine those things in our lives which need to be stripped out of our lives. It's allowing God to prune away the imperfections so we can be transformed. Because if pruning doesn't happen, then growth cannot happen. And it's finding peace in the midst of the chaos. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's giving God thanks in everything, even when we don't agree, even when we don't understand, even when it hurts, and even when we've been wronged, even when we've misused, abused, or mistreated. It's finding the blessings of God despite what has happened. And it's finding empathy and compassion where none existed before. It's being able to build relationships despite what happened. And you may, I'm going to go back to that question I asked in the beginning. How could there even be a ministry of Judas? Well, if there had not been the ministry of Judas, then there wouldn't have been a Last Supper. There wouldn't have been an experience in the garden. There wouldn't have been an abandonment. There wouldn't have been rejection. There wouldn't have been false accusations. And there wouldn't have been persecutions. There wouldn't have been a cat of nine tails. And there wouldn't have been a crown of thorns. There wouldn't have been exposure, disgrace, and shame. And there wouldn't have been a cross and a, or a need for nails. There wouldn't have been two thieves on each side. There wouldn't have been forgiveness spoken and there wouldn't have been forgiveness given. There wouldn't have been a veil that was ripped into two. And there wouldn't have been a grave. There wouldn't have been retrieval of the keys of death, hell, and the grave. There wouldn't have been an empty tomb, and there wouldn't have been a re resurrection. There wouldn't have been redemption. There wouldn't have been a savior. There wouldn't have been salvation, and there would not have been a promise of the comforter. There would not have been an ascension. And there would not have been an upper room experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And there would not have been an experience of baptism in Jesus' name. And there, there would not have been a hope that you or I would have found salvation. Well, maybe you are involved in the ministry of Judas, or maybe you've experienced the impact of the ministry of Judas as you have served in ministry. One thing is for certain, you will be challenged. So ask yourself these questions. How will you handle the impact of the ministry of Judas? How will you handle those you serve in ministry? Can you sit at the table eating with the people you know? On one side sits John the Beloved, and on the other side sits Judas the Betrayer. Are you able to treat them both no differently despite knowing what the agenda of each one is? Are you able to wash both of their feet and pray for them? 
Are you able to break bread in fellowship with them both? Are you able to pray for them both? And are you able to minister to the wounds of both? The only way to combat this ministry of Judas is through forgiveness and worship. Forgiveness doesn't come easy and can be quite challenging. Forgiveness is making the decision to give up the control of holding on to a grudge, holding on to hate, or even seeking revenge. Forgiveness does not excuse or condone what happened. As I said, God is a good record keeper. In fact, in Luke 17, verse 1, it says this, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Welcome to ministry. But woe unto him through whom they come. Forgiveness does not mean we forget, because if we forget, we may experience the same pain again. Forgiveness does not mean that we have to go back to what caused that pain and hurt. Because, you know what, if you go back to it, you're probably going to go through it again. Forgiveness does not mean you have to go to the person and tell them you forgive them, because that will only cause more pain and hurt. And when we include worship with our forgiveness, well, we are breaking the container of what our betrayal was and allowing the aroma to rise. Everyone will smell the aroma which comes from our worship out of our pain. But not everyone is going to understand our worship. Worship does not always mean a time of shouting like when we praise God. Sometimes worship will require us to do just like Job. And that word worship in Job chapter 1, after he found out all about those de- the devastation of losing, you know, his, his, uh, everything. He lost everything other than his wife. He worshiped God, and that word worship right there means shakah in Hebrew. And it literally means to prostate yourself out. So worship, it means... Worshiping, you know, sometimes you will have to worship God. You'll have to prostrate yourself out when you've been battered, when you've lost the most valuable things of people, when you've been wounded, and when you've been betrayed. When we choose to break the container of worship, it is breaking loose that one thing that we have been unwilling to let go of. God can take the content of what was held in that container that aroma of worship and use it to not only heal ourselves, but also use it to help heal others. And finally, what will you do with the ministry of Judas? Will you embrace the ministry of Judas and allow the ministry of Judas to transform your life into what God has planned for you, what he has called you to do? Or will you allow the ministry of Jesus, of Judas, to overtake you and destroy you? Because if you do, if you allow it, it will. God does not, we do not go through things because God wants to punish us. We go, sometimes we go through things because God wants to transform us. And you know, let me tell you this, I was up at, way early this morning in the middle of the night 
And I actually got to laughing, and thank goodness I wasn't staying with nobody because I would have woke them up because I thought about this. You know, the devil will come in and condemn you and, and make you doubt yourself and make you doubt your calling. But I got to laughing because all those things that you go through, if you look at the devil and tell him, hey, you know what? If you hadn't done this to me and if you hadn't done that to me and if you hadn't sent Judas in my life, I wouldn't be prepared for what God called me to maybe 12 years down the road. You know, I went through some horrible things back in uh, around 2009. It was horrible. But you know what? God saw 2021. And if I had given up, I wouldn't have seen 2021. Again, what are you going to do with the ministry of Judas? Thank you for listening to the Real Talk 238 podcast for this week's episode. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Real Talk 238 podcast, please subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes are released. If you would like to leave a comment, or there is a topic you would like discussed on the Real Talk 238 podcast, you can drop an email at therealtalk238 at gmail.com. You can also find the Real Talk 238 podcast on Facebook and Instagram listed as at the Real Talk 238. As a reminder, the Real Talk 238 podcast is not a substitute, nor does it replace therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or a qualified licensed mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Until next time, have a blessed day.